these eight mistakes that is costing you a lot of sales and a lot of volume and a lot of profits. Hi, I'm Mikael Pitzner, and in this episode of the Automated Millionaire video slash podcast, we will be looking at the mistakes that we do when it comes to being a business owner and setting our prices. We are in our third series, and it's all about those mistakes, and especially surrounding the topic area of pricing. In our last episode, we saw how companies, at least the way I see it, and from the experience that I've gathered of having visited hundreds of companies, how they're setting prices. And my guess is that you're probably one of them who is setting the prices in your company for your products or your services, kind of according to how I described it in that last episode. If you haven't listened in or tuned into that episode, then I please, I, I encourage you to go ahead and do so. In this current episode here, we will be looking at the first of the mistakes that people do when they are setting prices. And the first mistake is quite simply that they are setting prices too low. That's right, when push comes to shove and you gather up all the cost going into the equation of producing and delivering upon your products or your services, you are charging too little and you have invariably, you know, either just you're exchanging money at best or maybe even making losses. Even if you aren't making uh, losses but are actually making a profit, maybe you're actually just leaving too much money behind on the table. We'll get back in a few episodes from now. We'll talk a little bit about like what is it that goes wrong when we're setting prices too low. But very often we are setting the prices too low because for one, we undervalue what we are bringing to the table. So we think that, well, this is, you know, a product like everybody else's product. And maybe it is, but maybe there's still ways that you can actually get a better price. The challenge is also that sometimes what we are comparing with is we're comparing with companies who have a completely different cost structure, who may be doing such big volumes that they can actually sell at a lower price than you. And so by you comparing yourself to that company and selling your comparable product to that company, now you are putting yourself in a position where, well, it doesn't fit your numbers and basically you can't make money doing that way. Uh, and maybe in the, the entire equation, you are forgetting the part of, you, you know, maybe there are benefits to what you are offering, even though you're making comparable uh, sales of, let's say, a product. Could also be comparable sales of service. We'll get back to the service in just a moment. If we're talking about a product, you remember what I said about, you know, I just finished a New York City triathlon, for instance, and I get through the, to the goal line and there they are selling ice cold Coke. And, you know, I was telling you that in such a situation, I would probably be willing to pay much more a high premium for that can of Coke rather than saying, well, I know I can get it for like a fifth of that price if I just exit the park go down the street and find the first street vendor at his little kiosk and buy a can of Coke. Because the availability, the urgency, the presence, the convenience and all of those factors are in place. So for your product, perhaps you have a little bit of the same elements. I'm leaving it up to you to kind of think through what are the benefits that you provide that your competitors that you're comparing to do not provide. So maybe it is that you are in the local area and local community and most of your clients anyways are local people and they might actually be willing to buy at a little bit of a premium compared to having to 
jump in a car and go, you know, five miles down the road to find the nearest and cheaper solution. But the bottom line is that you have to really look at the, all the, the parts of the equation that goes into it and not just compare like, well, I'm selling this can of Coke, competitor B is selling this can of Coke, their price is at here, I need to sell it there. You may not be meeting your cost structures in your particular company and so you're setting yourself up for failure. Yes, granted, with such comparable products, you may be finding yourself in such a situation that you, in fact, at the end of the day, cannot compete in the market space. And then that's the time when you need to think about, well, what else can I do? What else can I sell and offer through my business? Now, I said that we would come back to service part. So with service, whether it's uh, uh, window cleaners, uh, house painters, uh, um, uh, HVAC companies, or any kind of service really, where there's like a service element, a true service element in it, a repair or something, there, you, I believe, honestly, in my personal opinion, that you have even more discrepancy, even more room to be at a different price, even though that you are, let's call it an HVAC company and selling the typical services and solutions in an HVAC company, comparing with, you know, competitor B, who is pretty much doing the same thing. And the whole point is that when it's service oriented, there are so many things that you can do to kind of stand out in your service. Maybe it is that you show up on time, which a lot of them don't. Maybe it is that, hey, as a client, I am a customer of yours. I don't have to sit at home all day long for, to wait for you to come and fix my AC. But maybe you actually give me a time slot that says, I will be there 10.30 tomorrow a.m. And then you'll actually show up at 10.30 a.m., right? And then maybe you'll say, you know, this kind of work, if it is what I think it is, it might take you two hours, it might take me two hours to do. So, you know, you probably need to put in a time schedule for your own uh, scheduling of two hours, uh, you know, so that at 12.30, we should be having it all wrapped up and I'll be on my way and you are left to do your own thing. But most service companies, I mean, you probably know it, they ask you to sit at home from eight to, if you're lucky, just half the day, right? So eight to one or from noon to five, and you know you're wasting so much of a day because basically you just have to take that calendar day and tore it out the window and you know do something else unless you can just work from home or something so when it comes to service industry there's so much more room for it and we spoke about a few episodes ago we spoke about this whole idea about being preeminent so when you bring to the table bring to the market space something that's considered a much higher value people are actually willing to pay for that. They don't necessarily just compare, you know, the HVAC company with the other HVAC company. Unless, of course, that you're not making the clientele aware of it. You have to make the audience aware of it. Why is there a difference between your HVAC company and everybody else? Now, I'm just using, you know, uh, the HVAC company as an example, but it could really be any other company and especially in the service industry. When we're going back to uh, the topic of uh, products, you know, specific products, so those consumables or something of that nature, you know, a product which is very, I mean, it's the same product, you're just a different vendor. Well, now it's, it's a little bit more complicated maybe to get a premium. But like I said, 
it is in fact still a possibility that you can charge more for it if your facilities for instance is cleaner is deemed more safe to visit is deemed you know well you have other goods and items that are really great for me to get in a pinch or seeing that i'm there anyways and now buy these things maybe the can of coke is the same price but there are other elements that you're selling in there that you can actually get away with with a premium because you know your competitors are not offering those so let's say a gas station so a gas station you'll probably hear me talk about this as a typical example of a product or commodity that is so price elastic, elastic. Now, what do I mean by something that's very price elastic? It means that for a small little difference in price, the volume purchased or sold changes perhaps dramatically. And we're not talking so much about like, okay, well, I'm not going to buy my gasoline because hey, if I need the gasoline, I probably just will have to buy it almost regardless of what price is at. Right? But what I'm talking about, all the gas stations, as you probably noticed, they are typically very close to each other. So if I buy my gas at this facility, as opposed to the facility you know, 600 yards down the road, it probably doesn't really matter which one is better than the other. It's a consumable product, it's very comparable, and I don't really wanna pay more for one over the other. However, I will be attracted maybe to make my purchases with the gas station that is cleaner, nicer, better atmosphere. Maybe I feel safer there, especially if I'm a female single driver, maybe especially in the evening. If it's very well lit, if there's a lot of traffic of other good, you know, high-end cars and the clientele seems nice and not dodgy, so to speak. If they have a nice convenience store, if it seems that they have security cameras, if they seem to have uh, several attendees manning the store and they have a good selection and, and so on, I might be very willing to not only put all my purchases of gasoline and so on with that vendor as opposed to the other gas station which is right next door but which is lacking in pretty much all those, those areas that I was telling you about. It could also be that they're just lagging one area, but maybe that area is very important. For instance, that whole idea of the safety, how safe would I as a single female passenger or driver of the car, how safe would I feel pulling into there at 11 a.m., uh, 11 p.m. at night, I just came home from a late shift and so on, and I need my gas, and so I'm ready for tomorrow morning, or I need you know some food items and so on, I, my fridge is empty. I probably will value very highly that, hey, this one is very nicely lit up and I see two or three attendants inside. I see five other clients uh, or customers at the service station and maybe it's, it's nicer cars and so on and none of them look like destitute or, or derelict or anything like I might, might feel more safe going there. And like I said, you know, when you have such a facility, I believe that you can sell a lot of items outside of gasoline for which you now can charge a premium and then you make up for a lot of the shall we say the price elasticity that you'll feel uh, that you'll find on your uh, predominant volume of sales which is you know your gasoline but maybe the bulk of your actually your profits is actually made on a lot of those items in your convenience store 
Now, there's a little long talk about that, but I, I think you get the gist of it. Again, let me reiterate, when it comes to anything that's service pertaining, I believe you have a huge amount of discrepancy to charge a premium. If it's anything pertaining your expertise, anything like lawyers and dentists and uh, um, informational products like I'm selling or you know consultancy, uh, business consultancy like I have helped uh, people uh, you know doing a better uh, business and so on. Well, the better you do it, the more you can charge for it. The more well known you get for doing a really good job or having a high success rate. That's why testimonials become critical. Hey, you know, I had this company, that company, and those and so on. Their success rate has been 98% success of any investment they made. They made like four, five, six, seven times their money back or whatever it is. All of those things will help you be able to make a much higher price even though what you might be selling is you know an hour of consultancy compared to your competitor b who is also a business consultant who is selling it at maybe a third fourth or maybe a fifth or maybe even much less of the price that you're charging but all because that hey you have proven to the market that you can do this over and over and over with success I mean, think about it. If you were a client, you're running a business and you're like, I really want my business to go from this level and up to this level. And you know what? As long as I can find the money to make it happen, I, I'd rather pay for the one who can really make it happen, has a great track record, has a system that just has proven itself over and over, rather than a you know a smaller um, you know business consultant who doesn't really have a lot of proof that they have done it before multiple times. The best analogy I can come up with right here now might be that of a brain surgeon. Just think about it. Would you rather you have a terrible tumor in your brain? It's a difficult operation to be carried out, but it can be done. You have two doctors that can do it, two surgeons. One charges maybe $2,000 an hour for making this happen. And then you have the other doctor and he's going to charge you, you know, $20,000 for the same amount of period. And, you know, the, the question begs, which are you going to choose? And I, I think, honestly, I think most of us, if we could afford it, if we could make, you know, if money aside, if money wasn't a, a challenge for us, I think we'd probably go with the one who is absolutely able to charge the 20000 because that surgeon is operating at a higher level, have maybe a track record that, that supports this kind of pricing. Now, yes, you could have charlatans who are just pumping out their prices and don't really have a result to show for it, but you know that can be quickly found out. Anyways, let's wrap this up. Uh, bottom line is that the mistake number one is generally speaking, you're just charging too low a price for whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a product or whether it's a service. It's very common. Uh, I, there was one more uh, add to it that I wanted to say and why we're undercharging. And sometimes it's also because we're thinking of this service or commodity or whatever we're selling out of our own pocket. And let's say our own pocket is that you know, we may not have too much excess of money to pay for something, something like that. But here's the thing, maybe your clientele has a lot more money to pay for it. So case in point, when I was doing my limousine services, 
you know, I wanted to be the echelon of service. I wanted to be the premium service and I wanted to charge a premium amount of dollars. But I had some employees and, you know, it granted their salaries and wages and so on were not like superior and, and very large because quite frankly, you know, the, the value that they bring to the table or the ability for me to put in somebody else at that position was easy. So in other words, you're not charging a lot, you know, case in point is, you know, McDonald's may have set up their minimum wage and I commend them for that. But at the end of the day, pretty much anybody can be taught how to flip the burgers and serve the, the burgers at the McDonald's. So therefore, you're never going to really get the very high salaries, at least not among the, shall see, the um, average employee with McDonald's at the uh, service counter. So back to my limousine service, I would have some of my employees that would feel like, how can we charge this amount of money just from taking the client in this car from the airport into the hotel in the downtown city? I mean, I would only pay, you know, X amount and we're charging, you know, eight times that. Or they would say, you know, the taxi is only so-and-so and we're charging, you know, uh, five, six times that. And what they kind of like, uh, the, the mistake that they did was basically they were thinking out of their own pocket money that, you know, that's a lot of money out of their salary to be paying for it. But a lot of the clientele, they were making multitudes amount of money, more than that. And for them, it was more a matter of convenience, nice car, vehicle, professionalism, uh, being there on time, not having to wave down a taxi and not getting, not knowing what you're getting, not wanting wanting to have a set agreement that was done for and taken care of already rather to 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 feel like you know in some countries they kind of say take you for a ride we charge a premium but we also couple it with a premium service a lot of the times like i said we are sometimes setting the price out of your pocket money rather than thinking about well who am i serving here and what are the prices that they will be happy to pay as long as you bring the right service and the right quality to the table. Again, I definitely strongly uh, advise that you know you try to be the best in your industry, you try to be the best in your marketplace, you try to be best for that community you're serving. This is what uh, one of my mentors is calling the preeminence. You become the preeminent supplier uh, of the services or products that you're delivering upon, and that makes it so that, you know, price becomes less of an objection. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, please go and double check that you're not underpricing. Maybe it's time to do a price increase. Maybe it's time to do an adjustment. Maybe it's time to you to really jot, jot down and see, well, how much are my expenses and what I'm selling for? And are they balancing? And am I getting a markup? Am I getting a margin at the end of the day? Am I making a profit out of it? This was The Automated Millionaire and I'll see you in tomorrow's episode where we'll look at mistake number two that most people do when they're setting their prices. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for your time today.